Yo, what are you doing right now? Whatever you're doing, let me ask you, do you feel broken, confused by religion, haunted by your past, unsure of your purpose? Do you want to know more about God's truth and his plan for you? <laughs> Guess what? So do we. You're not alone. So let's hang out and let's get real about who Jesus is and who we are as men. We're going to listen to Jeremy, Trey, Michael, and Brad break it down. These guys call themselves the Cussing Christians. All right, guys, I'm turning it over to you. What is going on? I used to have a head of hair, dude. I used to have a head. I believe it. I did. You still got hair up there. I did. Not as much. It's not nearly as cool as Brad's. No, it's not. Have you seen my mullet pick? Yeah, yeah, his mullet pick is the bomb. It's pretty epic. That wave in the back of yours gets much bigger. Uh, You'll be back. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I have dreams and it's long again. Then I wake up and I'm like, nah, crap. No, it's it's not. I like to say it's like a country music song. My little less hair is a little more gray. But anyway, hey, we're so glad everybody's joining us today. Uh, we're, we're starting a, something new today. So uh, this is, uh, we're working through a new theme for one of our podcasts. We're going to do this every fourth Tuesday of the month, and it's called A Letter to Myself. And uh, this is inspired by our friend Alexander Turner and his family. Now, we did a full episode on Alexander, and he lost his, he took his life back in February of 2022. And, but before he did, he had written a letter to himself about six months before as part of his rehab program. And his letter came back and I read it to you. Please go back and look at look at the episodes about the letter from Alexander. It was a jaw-dropping revelation type moment for me. And it just made us all start thinking, what if we wrote a letter to ourselves? What, what would you say about yourself, who you are, your spiritual journey, your standing with God, you know, whatever comes, whatever's on your heart. And what would it say? And knowing that you can say anything you want and you're going to be loved more for it and not less. So we've begun that. We put it on the website. It's called A Letter to Myself. And we want to hear from you. And uh, we're going to we're gonna start today with our brother, Jeremy. He has written his letter and we're going to listen to his letter to himself. And then we're going to have a little Q&A to explore him, where his walk and his journey is and uh, we'll take it from there so uh, like I said a lot more information on this on the website we will have the information for you to be able to submit your letter to us so we might be able to read it on the air and uh, talk about it so anyway so Jeremy a lot of thought going into your letter what what was on your heart bro you know we we were talking just as I'm writing this letter just so you guys know that set the stage we've just done the podcast as you mentioned but it's in a hotel room alone which for any of you that know me that happens every once in a while and I was listening to some Mercy Me songs the, the song Dear Younger Me came on and I was like you know what I'm going to start writing and that's uh, that's kind of what was going on and I let the song play as I was writing probably played it a couple times really but that's kind of where we're at when I'm writing this and thinking about it and I do apologize ahead of time I'm not a very good weeder even though I wrote this Bear with me. <laughs> Dear Younger Me you have no idea what's coming in your life you're too caught up in just living life to understand how special your life will be before your teenage years you're a good kind loving naive kid you will grow up to be an amazing with amazing godly values taught by your parents and your family. You're gentle, loving to those whom are different. You're a protector of the outcasts, and you walk your own path daily. In your teenage years, you're going to grow into quite the athlete. You're going to be an intelligent, charming, handsome, talented, both in sports and in the arts, as well as highly insecure. Your move to Kentucky
lucky on your 13th birthday will leave you insecure and searching for acceptance. You will forget what you learned in the church. You're going to seek worldly acceptance and pleasure from unholy places. This is a search for happiness and pleasure for what the world has to offer and will lead you down a path of social and athletic success. But when you lay down at night, you're going to be continuously find yourself unfulfilled. Your search to fill the void left in your life will eventually hurt many people, including those closest to you. You're going to have a lot of cool stories to tell. However, they're only cool during the, this stage of your life. Eventually, you'll regret many of your decisions. There will come a time which you will discover Jesus again in your teenage years, but the temptations of the world will have you seeking worldly things before no time flat. Fast forward 20 years, and you will have built an amazing career. You'll have two amazing boys and a wife only two fairy tales can describe. By the standards of the modern society, you will have done what many dream. Your modest, middle-class upbringing led you to a successful sports career. Then you turned businessman, and you have the family to top it all off. However, you're still missing something. You're consistently searching for more. Suddenly, disaster will strike. Both your parents will pass without warning, and you will find yourself on your knees at a Panera calling out to God for help. But don't fret. The worst days of your life will lead, of your life will lead you to a peace all your dollars, stories, trophies, and even dream family couldn't supply. What will give you peace in the end is the only place where you could have found joy your entire life. You'd known him since your earliest memories. You'd find that joy and peace in Jesus. Younger me, don't regret anything. Your testimony is what built you for the tasks ahead. But don't be afraid to skip to the end. Everything you've accomplished in life, you can do with peace, love, and joy, Jesus Christ. Dear older me, don't ever forget what younger me taught you. He taught us that no matter what we find in this world, we will never be fulfilled without Jesus. Keeping him at the center of our lives, fully trusting and believing in his holy plan is the only way to live in joy. You're a father, you're a husband, you're a saint, and you're a child of God. Don't you ever forget that. No matter what you do, you cannot undo any of those facts about you. You're younger self didn't know that he was constantly filled with anxiety once you realize once you realized you were a saint and unable to lose your sacred your sanctified sanctified self you lost the fears anxiety and the worries this broken world had to offer don't you dare forget what the blood of jesus christ is enough don't you dare forget to surround yourself with other men and people who are like-minded, people who can help you live out your very best life in Christ. This life is messy, broken, and crazy. You will require the Lord, and the people you surround yourself with will be your added support through the storms life will bless you with. Always remember what the Apostle Paul taught us in the book of Romans. You are dead to the law. You are slave to sin until the day you accepted Christ into your heart. On that day, you died with him on the cross. You were buried with him, and then you were resurrected only to be seated next to him in heaven. No one can take that from you. Stay humble, stay in the word, and praise him for all that you have. Awesome. Sincere. Fantastic. What a testimony. Hmm. What a way to start this uh, this new little feature of our ministry. You were the first one to take a stab at it, and you sent this to me, and I thought it was just amazing as you read the words and how many things line up with me inside of these words. Things like, you have no idea what's coming in life. I mean, it's but God knew you before you were born and knew you that your life was going to be before. So there, there's someone that does. And that, you know, I, I remember I remember when that kind of hit me, it, it relieved me. Early on, you mentioned that, that um, even though you were a good-looking, athletic guy, like very talented in all these areas, you were very insecure. Yep. Why do you Why do you think that you had that insecurity, even though you had, like, on the, on the surface, somebody looked at you and probably said, man, that guy's got it together. Like, what, <laughs> where did, did the you insecurity your, come from? When did you get uh, your man body? Um, earlier than most, to be honest with you. I, you were like the big beast. In every school picture, yeah. weren't you? I was. You were. I mean, yeah, when I was in. So back to Brad's question then. You know, I, I don't 
really know why it was there or how it got started, but it was, that was why, that's what always drove me to be the best at everything, hmm. was my insecurities. It wasn't my actual confidence, it was the other way around. You know, I was always insecure that somebody, that I think when I moved to Kentucky specifically, you know, I was this big guy from the outside. I had a weird accent. You know, I wasn't necessarily like everyone else. I didn't grow up in their, their town. And I'm talking, when I went to a small school, like, I went to a small school, like, graduated with, I think, 100, 110 kids. Mm -hmm. That was the whole county. Like, that's not like a piece of the county. It's not a private school. That's my whole... So I had 400, 450 kids in my, my high school. So when you look at it like that, you know, and you're the outsider coming in, you're in an awkward time of life. You know, girls are, you're interested in girls. You, you know, you, these people have been together since they were in kindergarten and elementary school, you know, and then kids are assholes and they were to me too, right? So you know, even though I was bigger than them, I was the one that, uh, you know, I got quite a big one at, at first, but then I found sports and I found this and I found that, you know, and then I did like the dance and I was into things that weren't necessarily mainstream and cool. So I had to hide those things because at that point in time, boys were boys and only boys that were interested in other boys danced and did things like that. So like I always was hiding who I was and you know, my parents were even like, hey, you can't tell everybody. Like you got to keep this a secret. Really? And, wow. Well, yeah. Like, oh, really? You had that talent and... Huh. And they knew they they knew how talented you were. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I was winning dance competitions nationally yeah. and things like that. I wasn't like a listen. I wasn't. I couldn't make a career of it. But for an amateur, I was pretty good. You right. know? Mm. And yeah, I mean, this is the time when there's no social media. So if you didn't tell somebody, they didn't necessarily find yeah. it out. Um, it's interesting though. Your parents said keep this keep this on the down low. Yeah, they, they, they didn't want people to find out. It wasn't they didn't want people to find out. It was that they didn't want me to bear the brunt of what that would bring. Sure. Because we're in a time when, let's just be honest, like guy, you know, gay men at that point in time, you know, everybody made fun of them and they gave them a hard time and it wasn't accepted in any way, right? So they would, they just did not want me. And I'm not gay, but they they thought that hey, that people would think I was, mm -hmm. you know, and they wanted to protect me from the world. So how, you know, how old were you when you moved to Kentucky? Uh, it was on my 13th birthday. 13th. Wow, dude, that's that's the height of insecure, exactly. awkward. Everything's changing, and now you're in a completely new mm -hmm. state. Yeah, because I mean, through, through elementary school, I was in. A, I went to a private elementary school because um, I tested. I tested too high for the public school, so my parents didn't want me to. They wanted me to go through the grades, so they ended up putting me in, and that's where I went to the Lutheran school and got introduced to that. And, but yeah, I was very insecure. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that's what led to a lot of it. So then I overcompensated on everything, whether it was women partying. I mean, I got alcohol poisoning when I was sophomore in high school wow. because, you know, I didn't know how to just drink like anybody else. I know I drank, I did, I pulled a John Belushi. Honestly, <laughs> I drank almost half a handle of vodka and end up in the hospital. Wow. But I was always had to take in my extreme personality anyway, couple all that together. It's, it's a, a cocktail for a recipe for bad things. Hmm. Well, during those days, and, and you know, during those days, you make you make a point in your letter. You say you're going to have a lot of cool stories to tell. However, they are only cool during this stage of your life. Yeah, there's a lot of cool things that you did and you experienced. I mean, was it how many times were after those cool nights you looked in the mirror and you were like, I don't like what I see, or there's something missing, or. Yeah, I think that's where my, I was, it's, it's funny because if you were to say, oh, you know, you think about when you were 13, 14, 15, like I was the first guy to have sex. I was the first, I was dating a freshman in college as a freshman in high school. I was the first one to, you know, I was winning, I was all state. I was the only one in the in my high school that's all state. But I'm using all those things to overcompensate and to take yeah, myself out of the next spot, right? Right, right. And it is, it is a freshman in high school. How cool is it to say you slept with the cheerleader that's now a freshman in college? 
Right. Like, that's cool. But it's not cool when I look back. No. You know, mm-hmm. She was somebody's daughter, and she deserved a lot more respect. And, of course, I broke up with her for the new hot cheerleader. You know what I mean? And things like that. And then you're you're just doing the things that everybody thinks you should be doing because the world, but you're the only one the world would let do it, right? Because you built yourself into this persona that's bigger than Mm-hmm. and what life really can support and then and it's cool I mean there's movies and TV series written about these types of stories and but yet today I'm not necessarily proud of any of them even though they make up who I am mm-hmm. you say uh, there will come a time when you'll discover Jesus again you're gonna you're gonna run back to him in your teenage years and but then yeah, after that you say but the temptations of the world will have you seeking worldly things before no time flat yep how true is that to life experience well it's so true I mean, that's the, that's the story, right? I mean, I, yeah. I was chasing a girl and she got me at this hell house and at a church. And I, I vividly remember going through it. And then the reason I went with her was because I was hoping to, you know, hook up with her afterwards. <laughs> Ended up not. And we ended up walking up to the preacher. And I remember saying to him, like, hey, you know, I'll, I'll accept Christ and I'll start coming to your church. But there better never be a snake come out of your, uh, <laughs> your mouth. But, <laughs> and that, I was dead serious because I'd heard about these Pentecostals and the snakes and all this stuff. And I'm in Eastern Kentucky. That's that shit's real. Right. And um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, as long as nothing like that happens. And, but then, of course, you know, the legalism, even in that church, came out. And, it, and they were great people and they're great human beings. And I hope they're listening to this podcast because without them, I probably would have never accepted Christ on my own accord, right? Up until that point, I accepted because that's what I was taught. Like, that's the first time I ever accepted for, from all on my own. But then, of course, within eight, nine, ten months, now I'm a senior in high school. I'm a football player. I'm getting picked up. I'm probably going D1. Like now all those things that I had found so much comfort and acceptance that took away my insecurities. It's not cool to be a Christian. It's not cool right. to have gone from the guy that did everything I was doing, was throwing parties and going to parties and all that, to now a, a Christian football player that doesn't want to party on the weekend. Like that doesn't jive well as a junior, senior in high school that you're getting picked up by D1 schools. I mean, it was tough. And wow. to, so I fell back into it. Fell back. But were you still, even though you fell back into it, did you still inside feel like you said something in a later paragraph that there was something inside that was just still missing? Oh, yeah. Or were you totally satisfied with where you? Work. No, I, I think I was. I've always craved more, and that's when he's when you talk when we talk about my extreme personality. I get to get to college, right? And now all of a sudden, I got to reinvent who I am again. So now, for the second time in my life, maybe third, really, because you know I left the Christian um, elementary school to then I went to uh, public, you know, middle school, and now I'm trying to figure out what it means to be out in the world for the first time because I had never really dealt with it. Then I go to Kentucky, 13, awkward as hell, right? Mm-hmm. Now I'm going through this this part of my life. Now I'm going to college where I, I don't have mom i don't have dad everybody that's been through that transition understands how struggle that is anyway right i'm also 17 by the way it's a graduated high school in december so i was starting in january all my friends are at home still doing high school shit and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm at sorority parties and you're the next guy on campus and you're now trying to figure out are you a football player and this and that and then next thing you know i'm starting like very early in my career but you had to prove yourself oh you gotta prove it I mean, oh, yeah. you talk about it's like being in prison when you go to that football team d1 football team like you got to establish real quick who you are, what you are. Like, it's prison rules. And, uh, hmm. yeah, that's kind of where it went. Wow. Wow. Well, okay, so you move on. Uh, fast forward 20 years. You're an amazing businessman. Uh, you conduct meetings great. You got, in my opinion, you got the white picket fence, the beautiful wife, the two kids, 
got the dogs? I can't remember. No, nah, we don't do the dogs. Y'all got the dog. All right. But but you say yourself, by standards of modern society, you've done what many dream. You are modest. You're funny as crap, but you are <laughs> modest. Uh, middle class upbringing led you to a successful sports career and businessman, but there's still something missing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing is you never can figure it out, right? Like every day I'd wake up and I'm just missing it. You try to fill that void, whether that's with more extreme behavior, it's, you know, alcohol or drugs or whatever that is. And in my adult life, the drugs have, I say adult life, I used to say the second half of my adult life. 18 to 26, there was a lot of things that went on there that didn't happen after 26, but, but you're always trying to fill it, whether that's, you know, you know, I'd stay out late with my offices or take clients out to longer into different things that I probably wouldn't do today. But, and that's all trying to fill that void, trying to be something more than what you're always chasing that. I guess my dad always said, and I never heard this of anybody but him, but he said, you know, one thing about addicts is they're always chasing the white dragon. They're always trying to get that first high again. Mm-hmm. And that's why they keep going after it. And that's kind of the way it was for me. So I'd hit the goal and then I'd be like, yeah, cool. Like what's next? Right. And even though I have this beautiful wife and two babies at home and, yeah, I live in Vieira, Florida, where, I mean, guys, it's, if you live here, you're doing okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot worse places to be, even in the poor side of Vieira. Yeah, I'm just always chasing it, trying to fill that void that I never could figure out what I needed in that void. So was it when your when your parents passed, is that kind of what initiated your, like the reawakening spiritually? I think um, for sure. I mean, I think that was so, I don't know if I've talked to you guys about this, maybe on the way back and forth from C to one I came up, but I knew I was supposed to be in the church. Like, that was never a question. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a matter of whether we were supposed to be. For whatever reason, I couldn't get myself there. Right. And there's a lot of signs leading up to my, my mom and dad's death that I should have done it. And one of them was baptizing my son, Hunter, which I, I, don't, I don't believe in baptizing, baptism at birth. That's just, I don't believe it has to be done for kids to go to heaven. Yeah, it's a very legalistic way to look at it. But it was important to my, my mother, my, my mom, my dad. It was important to my father-in-law. And, you know, we just never did it. We kept putting it off. And then finally, I promised God several times that I would do it. And then we had gotten, and then, and then life went by. And then we had a hard time conceiving our second son. And I said, hey, you know, if we can have another son, then, you know, I'll do this. And I was like bargaining with God about what, if he does this, I'll do that. Oh, man. And it was... Uh, he loves cutting deals, right? He loves cutting deals. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't realize it wasn't God I was cutting a deal with. And <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it was. Right? Yeah. And, um, and then finally, you know, when my mom passed away, I took it as a sign, actually. And, and I know that God will allow bad things to happen in your life if he needs something good to come from it. And that's the way I look at my mother's death was when she died being I literally was on my knees at the at the at the para there and not even knowing who to call like my best friends and I remember one of my buddies was like oh you could have called me I was like no I couldn't hmm. Like, you weren't the one for me to call. Like, I knew I could call you. It's not like I didn't have your number. But that that was the moment for me where it was like, all right, yeah. like, you need me. And again, I'm not saying God killed my mother. I'm saying he allowed. Just like in Job's story, Satan had to ask God for permission mm-hmm. to go do all those things to Job and his family. I think Satan asked for permission, and this time God said yes. And it was to get me to where I'm at today, which is a better person, father, husband, everything my mother would have wanted me to be and been happy to give that sacrifice for. Yeah. So that's that was my that's my take on it. Yeah. What what an empty feeling though, 
when you were at that Panera, you didn't have anybody you felt like you could call and you didn't have a relationship with the Lord at the time to feel like you could call on him. Right. I mean, that's uh, talk about despair, man. That's a heavy yeah. place to be. Look at the network you're in now. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, so, I mean, I, I, that's when I, we're, we've talked before. And, you know, even today we were talking earlier. Right. And it's like I, just that anxiety of what to do next. This doesn't I don't have that. Hmm. Like, that's the emptiness that was there the whole time was like, well, if I fail at this. Right. Then what? Well, if I fail at this now, I'll just kind of call you guys and make fun of me and then we'll make a podcast of it. There you go. Or, I mean, like, make it go viral. He got a little sensitive with that text chain we had going about you missing the breakfast. I could tell. Yeah, that was a good moment. But you know, you, your words in here, don't fret, the worst days of your life will lead you to peace and comfort. Very reminiscent of what Paul writes, uh, rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering, suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, character, hope. Yeah. I mean, so you went through all that and you're telling yourself basically what Paul's telling us in, in, in your favorite book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. All right, now, now we shift, man. Don't regret anything. No. Don't regret it. Expound on that a little bit. Because there are some moments that probably sting still in your life. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've even thought about reaching out to people in my past life and just saying, hey, I'm sorry for the things I did, you know, just because that's a for me thing. It's not a for them that's thing. A, right. That's so for like, you. And, and I don't even know that I'm not being, that's a me wanting to do it. But I don't regret it because how cool is the testimony I get to tell now that God let me tell it? That's what's cool about that testimony now. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, let, let this wider, you know, wiser, older stage of my own version now tell you, like, hey, listen, like, you're not going to get fulfilled from that. Like, stop seeking it right I mean like so no I don't regret it because I, I don't know that I would know what I know today having not lived it like I wasn't fortunate enough right. like you Brad I mean it sounds like you just kind of got it I had to go like get burned a hundred times before I stopped touching that stove sure exactly. you know? really? like I just never believed the stove was hot even though it's red and it's smoking <laughs> like hey I know I'm gonna do see. this and by god tomorrow's gonna suck but we're gonna try <laughs> again like, yeah that's my story. Well, you, you go on from there and you say, don't ever forget, no matter what you do, you can't undo any of those things. Mm -hmm. Your younger self didn't know that. That kind of just talks about what you just said. And you were constantly filled with anxiety from the deceiver. Talk to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Isn't that his whole point? Keep you in turmoil? Do yeah. not believe the yeah. cross? Not believe your salvation? Just a constant turmoil. What's well, it, right? It's like not knowing that I couldn't undo it. I thought I could undo it. Right. I thought and it's all about I. Like when you hear me tell the story, you you're saying I thought I could undo it. I thought I could get myself through it. I could be like that. I was an I guy because whenever I needed more strength, I just went to the weight room and I got myself more strength. Mm -hmm. I spent more time there. I did this. I ate that. I did this. I, you know, it was all about me, 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 me. And that's what the deceiver wants you to think is, hey, you can fuck it up. Can't. That's this beautiful thing about grace is that until once you figure it out that it's once and forever like then it's not about you anymore right so i mean that that's exactly what i'm talking about there right once you realize you were a saint unable to lose your sanctified self and you said this a minute ago but i want you to expound on it you lost the fears anxieties and worries this broken world has to offer you get to you're walking in a different state now well and that's i never knew state what, of heart and state of mind well and i think i said it earlier today as so we had a different conversation but it was like about that's what walking kingdom is yes and i didn't know what that meant i didn't either i, I had no idea no not you know uh, wow okay uh, the blood of christ is enough is it enough for everybody else
It has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's no choice. I mean, it, what else could do more? Right. You know? Exactly. We talked about that last week about the the highest price ever paid. Like, what else could there be mm-hmm. that could that could satisfy the wrath of God? That could cleanse us from our sin. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the blood's definitely enough. Yeah, I mean, and that's what my whole testimony is. Everything I did to be good and be perfect and to be the best and to be you know, it just led me <laughs> down a bad path. Didn't work. You know, and it wasn't that. If you and again, that's the thing about my story. My story is a story of a guy that was lower middle class. You know, made it out, made it into business. Like if you look at my story it's the story you want to write and tell it's it's a good story and i'm I'm trying hopefully i'm being humble about the way i'm saying that but it was never enough for me Mm. and it's it just and it would never be because i'm seeking the fulfillment in me that only i can give when the fulfillment in me is not what i need it's not what i can give you know what i mean it's only what christ could give so the blood has to be enough to allow that to happen Mm. you know you grew up and 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 being a, a very very high level athlete Mm-hmm. Right, and you, you know, we were staring at your sugar bowl ring, and I've got, you know, if you Google your name, you're in a San Diego Chargers uniform. He's got a Wikipedia page. Oh, he's got a Wikipedia page that talks cool. about his dance days when he was a kid, wearing the tights, which we talked about before. You go to Michael Thomas, and you got the uh, receiver from the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I know, and that's, that's, that's you. That's not you. That's not you. That is not you. <laughs> Man, I thought that was you. Oh my gosh, I was the resemblance is the next letter to myself I was going to talk about your journey through the football you look different up close yeah no but with your background team sports mm-hmm. this in college there was 100 guys on your roster NFL there's 55 whatever it is you've got a band of brothers around you you're competing against them but then once all that's settled it's come together mm-hmm. and the importance of that and you, and you make this statement don't you dare forget to surround yourself with other men and people who are like-minded people who can help you live out your very best life in christ the life this life is messy broken and crazy how how does your sporting experience with teams and brotherhood amongst the linemen you know they're they're their own club you know sure. um how does what we're doing right now relate to that. You know, I look at ministry very very similar to football. And this is not to say other sports aren't team sports, but football is the only sport I've found that is truly an entire team sport. Every single individual and every single play has to do their job. And it's the breakdown of one individual typically that leads to a play breaking into something bigger than it was designed to do. And, and you can see this in professional sports, especially professional football. If you watch the way they play the game and the way people move, the wide receivers, like the steps, the time, timing, the amount of tiny details that are going on. The preparation that goes into that. The preparation, the studying, all of that, right? But all that happens off the field before they get on the field. And then and then it happens in practice and it happens in these meetings and timing and, and whatnot. And then all of a sudden they go on the field and everybody's got a different job to play. The guard, the right guard is different from the left guard. I know if you look at the offensive line, like, oh, they're linemen, big guys. But what they're doing is very different. Every single person, the center has to snap the ball. It has to get to the quarterback's hands. It has to be secured. And he has to block whatever. The right guard has to do this, has to hit, has to nudge this guy, push back, help the tackle. Oh, by the way, the linebacker's doing this. It changes the play. All those things are happening. They're happening very, very quickly. They couldn't do that if they didn't stay together off the field, too. 
So then when we leave our church, which is, I consider this church, not actual church service, right? What we're doing right now is more to me what church is. And that's being with a group of guys that we're studying together. We understand each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses. We understand that, you know, maybe Trey doesn't like to confront people, but Michael Thomas, man, he'll cut their ear off, you know? And, and so... <laughs> the enforcer. Yeah. But, but we need a Michael, just like we need a Trey. Exactly. We need a Brad. We need a... That has, the, you know, the backing and the, and the pedigree, right, that Jeremy doesn't have. So I can call Brad and be like, hey, you know what? I had this conversation with this guy. Where would you go in the Bible to even find out how to help him, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we need. And that's that to me, that's what sports, especially football mirrors. And there has to be a quarterback. That's our pastor. Right. Right. And, and whatnot. So to me, that's how it all correlates together and why right. you have to be around like minded people. That's not to say be a sheep, by the way. That's not what I mean by that. I'm not saying go join a cult. I'm saying be around people that are like minded that will also let you talk and challenge each other and make each other better, but that their foundation is in Christ. Right. As long as that foundation, that's the like-minded piece that I'm talking about right, right there. It's very similar to, you know, how they spell out the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, we all have a particular talent that the Lord is going to use, and, and collectively as a group, there's behind-the-scene guys, you know, and, and I, I just tell you, you know, our brother Tim that's going to be working on this sound, I mean, he loves being the guy that's behind the monitor. Mm -hmm. And he has a vital, vital role. What he pulled off during Easter week blew my mind because we did a podcast every day. And he had him ready every morning at 7 a.m. Yep. Trey wouldn't have done that. Right. You know, right. And, I, and I was the one speaking. I, 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 God gave me that kind of thing to be able to do. Don't forget to surround yourself with other men and people who are like-minded, even though mm -hmm. the like mind is what brings you together. Christ is, we are all in Christ together. Mm. You know, we are one in Christ. We all have different gifts and different different ways of manifesting that message out. Yeah, I guess the like mind that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit, right? That's, that's really what it is. If the Holy Spirit's inside of you and it's inside of you, then I need to be around other people with the Holy Spirit inside of them. And then that'll allow me to be equipped when we all go out into the world and that's how iron sharpens iron because yeah. we have that like mind and we have the, the holy spirit in each one of us exactly working through our different personalities and backgrounds and strengths to to mm -hmm. help the others so it's awesome well, this is this has just been a, a, an incredible little exercise to number one get a little testimony and see how how we're wired I know there's another man out there that listens to these words and is listening to this conversation that, holy cow, I hadn't thought of it that way. Tell me about why you chose this last scripture from Romans. You were dead to the law. You were a slave to sin until the day you accepted Christ into your heart. On that day, you died with him on the cross, buried with him, then resurrected only to be seated next to him in heaven. No one can take that away from you. I think it just summarizes exactly who we are and it summarizes the entire point of the Bible. Right. You know, it starts out in the, in, the, in the garden with sin coming into the world. Right. Then it, it leads us down a path of a need and a want and of the world and what we fight. And then all of a sudden, the moment you accept Christ, it brings us to the point of what the blood did for us. It allowed him to, to pay our pay our, uh, our ransom for us. Right. And the moment you accept him, you're then brought back to life in him. Right. And then you're seated next to him in heaven, which is a place of... You know, like we said, walking kingdom. Exactly. Whether I'm there today physically or not, my my soul is secure in that, right. and I'm able to live out my life now, knowing that Man. forever I've been saved. So, yeah, the, how how much how much more perfectly could you put it? It's it's a freedom that that I just feel 
and I get really emotional on this. I just feel there's so many people that profess to be Christians don't understand what freedom in Christ truly means. I agree. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not trying to be harsh, judgmental, or anything like that. But man, if you really get the blood and resurrection of Christ, you get to walk out boldness. You get to walk kingdom now on earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you do it with this boldness, humbleness, confidence, mm-hmm. you know, in this way that other people notice and they go, God, what kind of Jeremy? I mean, how many of your old football buddies are see you now or something and go, dude, who, who are you? Oh, no, I got one of them that I did stay close with a lot of guys. And there's part of my story, if, if I expand on it, you'd find there's some depression and things like that that happen. And I isolated myself. But um, for the ones that I do and I did, they would tell you that I'm very different. Really? Um, especially over the last three or four years. Cool. My wife even would tell you how much different I am, how so much better of a husband and a father, and Aww. and I'm not I'm not bragging myself. She wrote you that. She wrote it. I know she said that. Yes, so. she did. That's- <laughs> that's awesome. But, yeah. that, but that's what it is, you know? And I think that, you know, a lot of people look at Christianity as handcuffs, not freedom. Oh, my gosh. And what that means is they're looking at it through the law. They're not looking at it through actually what Christianity is, which is you're forgiven so of the law. Total grace. Paul tells us that in Romans, too, by the way. And so, you know, you're forgiven and of the law. Grace and law don't so mix. They don't you go together. Can't mix them they at all. literally can't be in the same spot. So, you know, you were talking about what this means is, is unity. And I, and I pulled up the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12, 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one one body being many are one body. Also, yes. also is Christ. Yeah. And then that goes on to really describe what each you know foot and hand and bringing that all together is what we do as the body of Christ. Yeah, and then, you know that that goes against the, what a lot of men, not just men, but people say is. All right, no, I'm saved. Don't need to talk about it anymore. Hey, it's good. I'm good. I, I checked my box. I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. You're you're in a club now, brother. You you are in one in Christ, and we are one in Christ together. So that means I'm one in you. Yep. You know, and uh, boy, imagine walking that out every week with the men in your life and the, the men and women in your life. Wow, this has been an amazing exercise. First uh, go around, Jeremy. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for, for writing this. This is uh, created some great conversation. I know there's uh, several men's groups that are listening to us and, and taking these conversations to their own small groups now. So That's hopefully awesome. uh, they'll write a letter to themselves. I hope they and, do. Um, and I'm going to urge you, if you've listened, we're going to do this every fourth Tuesday of the month. That's, oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're going to have this going and we would love to hear from you and your letter to yourself, just like Jeremy did. And uh, we're going to post them uh, with your permission. If you send it to me, I have your permission. And uh, we're going to we're going to create a catalog of these revelation stories of letters to ourselves. And when we realize who we are or where we are in our journey or who God says we truly are. So we invite you to join us there. Just go to our website, impactministries.org, M-P-A-C-T, ministries.org, and uh, look for the letters to myself tab. Click on it, shoot us one. I'll get back to you personally on it or one of the guys will as well. And we'll keep you anonymous if you ask. If we and yeah, we'll, then we'll use your first name or keep you anonymous if you need, if there's something. So you don't have to, everything is very, very confidential uh, along those lines. So I'm very persuasive though about maybe trying to get a name and, and a location from you. But We can make up a name. 
Yeah, we'll make we'll make we'll, we'll give you a cool name. Yeah, how about yeah. that? Uh, like, maybe we could have done mine in Spanish, but Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if there is a Spanish version for Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Spanish accent. Yeah, there. There was, yeah, it almost sounded in yeah. <laughs> uh, So Jeremy. we're just hey, we're so happy, we're so thankful you joined us on the Custom Christians this week. Check us out. Uh, check our brother podcast out. It's called the Grace for Man podcast. Check that out every week as well. And uh, we just uh, love the fact that you guys are listening in. Maybe there's a nugget you get. And just uh, remember, we're four just ordinary guys that are just sitting around being real, talking about Jesus and figuring out who we really are in Christ and what Christ did for us. So with that said, I'm Trey. I'm Michael. I'm Brad. Uh, Jeremy. And we are the Cousin, Cousin Christians. Christians. No more Girl Scout mint no. chocolate pretzels. You guys are awful. I haven't eaten carbs all week. I can't wait things. Cheese puffs, jalapeno Good. cheese puffs. So which one to use right in the next letter? I don't know. I'm about three quarters through mine. All right, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead next. Do you need a thesaurus dictionary? Not very good with words. What do they teach you at Oklahoma Baptist? They teach you how to write. They didn't teach me any punctuation at Boy County.